So I think this is another one of those weeks that I need to apologize to you. It's okay. I kind of liked the first one. Uh, You know why I liked it? Because they all got to shout Dabo at the end. I mean, yeah, that's always fun. (laughs) My my problem with Visionary is really that it feels like a Bran and Braga fanboy tried to write a Bran and Braga episode and kind of succeeded and kind of did not. I was going to say both of these kind of remind... It, this felt like TNG this week, but yeah. not as good. And in a way, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. These characters, you know, they are kind of monster of the week things or whatever. And there's not really a ton. I, don't, I didn't really remember a ton of like B-plots in these episodes. Yeah, I don't think that they do have B-plots. I mean, certainly Visionary. I mean, while certainly Distant Voices doesn't have a B-plot. I mean, Distant Voices is just almost 45 minutes of uninterrupted tedium. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about yeah. that when we get to that episode. But Visionary also, I don't think, really has a B-plot. I mean, I guess you could argue that the stuff with the Romulans is the B-plot, but not really. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I have a note about Romulans, and I actually don't remember what role they played in the episode at all so well you know it's funny because i had a lot of trouble paying attention to both of these episodes i i had to pause it a lot i had to rewind i mean i just they they weren't grabbing my attention for whatever reason and i did remember distant voices being not a great episode i I didn't really remember that much about visionary and and probably because you know it has kind of a generic title and you know it's just the Romulan stuff, I think, you know, this is the, the I think this is the primary difference between how Deep Space Nine is going to approach a TNG style episode and how TNG approached a TNG t- style episode, which is that, you know, even in this episode, which is predicated on the idea of some wacky, weird thing happening to O'Brien, they they tie it into the larger, you know, meta plot yeah. about the Dominion. And the Bajorans and the wormhole. And they also put a nice little twist on it at the end. You know, when they make the decision to have the, like, five hours in the future, O'Brien yeah, yeah, yeah. actually go back. And so now O'Brien is always going to feel a little off or something. I mean, that's something that I don't think TNG would have done. And it is, you know, again, it's in that line of, you know, let's torture O'Brien. Let's have him go through these horrible things. Let's have him watch things yeah. blow up and die. Let's have him actually be, uh, you know, a little bit outside of time for the rest of his life. And Yeah. And I mean, this, you know, in a way, this, you know, contrast this to the one where he was the replicant, you know. And yeah. you know, he's number one, he is never going to tell Keiko this because this is not something she will ever be completely comfortable with. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Like she's gonna be weirded out by this, so he 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 and Bashir have to keep this a secret to them. But yeah, it's I mean a- that makes me think like is there you know like the, the, the straight set spouse network? Is there like a Starfleet spouse network for like <laughs> for like spouses of Starfleet people? Because you know it seems I mean, like there's a lot of weird shit that goes on in Starfleet and they, they need a support group. I mean well I mean like you know, real life, you know, military spouses, you know, do have, you know, groups and do, you know, tend to, you know, become friends because they're dealing with the same stuff. So I would assume, yeah, there would be some there would definitely be some similar types of organizations or at least, you know, social clubs based on that kind of thing. Well, CBS, there's an idea for you for Star Trek 2017. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons why the episode works is because it is O'Brien. You know, yeah. having this kind of stuff happen to O'Brien is is horrifying in a way that it wouldn't be if it happened to someone else because O'Brien is just really tired of this shit. And you can tell that he's tired of it. He's just like, Jesus Christ, this is happening to me again. Like, you know, I I, I just want to I just want to work on the the power conduits and then go play darts at Quarks for an hour and then go to bed. Yeah, like, no, he very much has, you know, 
we, we've talked about, you know, O'Brien loves his work. O'Brien loves his family. O'Brien grudgingly loves his time, you know, spending with his friends, you know. But, you know, he, he doesn't – I want to say he's not a particularly ambitious person, but not in a way that's very, you know, critical of him at all. Like he knows – in a way, O'Brien can be a very simple character in a way that, you know – Again, he just likes, you know, the pleasures of a job well done and, you know, time home with his family and, you know, eating a good meal with his wife and daughter. Like that that's what makes O'Brien happy. Yeah, I think and you know, it's 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 an interesting way to put it, I think, because I don't think that O'Brien is ever going to be the chief engineer on a starship. I don't think that he wants to be. You know, I think that, you know, if you look at the first season version of O'Brien where, you know, here's someone who's very mechanically inclined, he's a good engineer, you know, in a sense this is the purest expression of the Federation and Starfleet being a meritocracy to some degree. Here's yeah. someone who's just really good at their job, uh, getting a a you know a, a position of prominence on a, on a space station. Now, of course, at the beginning of the show, Deep Space Nine is kind of a backwater. It's not the most glamorous position, you know. So, so this is a person who obviously would take this job because I think he thinks it's a challenge. Well, yeah. But he's not the kind of. I don't think he's the kind of person that's going to be in line for you know chief engineer on on you know the Enterprise or something like that. Well, you can kind of contrast him and Bashir in this because, you know, Bashir explicitly says in the pilot, you know, I'm doing Deep Space Nine because, you know, this is medicine at the frontier, you know. This is where a man can become a hero, you know. This is where, you know, exciting shit is going to happen, you know. And over the course of the series, I think we're starting to see him realize that, oh, you know, maybe a bit up a little more than he can chew, but, you know. Uh, well, I think it also, frankly, too, I mean, if you look at the, the earlier version of Deep Space Nine, I mean, you know, when they offered the job to him, he probably thought, oh, great. You know, Keiko and him had discussions about here's a space station. It's around. Yeah. It's orbiting Bajor. Nothing's really going on. It's not going to be that. You know, it's just going to be a quiet place for us to raise our daughter. And after them being on the Enterprise all yeah. those years, I think that probably sounded really good to both of them. Well, you know, it's someplace stable that they can raise their kid. You know, they can. That has to be part of a consideration, you know. Now, of course, as it turns out, it's at the mouth of the wormhole with this like horrible uh, uh, power that wants to come (laughs) through and destroy everybody in the Alpha Quadrant. No, you know, I, I, I mean, that's just one of the many dangers that they're dealing with in deep space. You know, but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. um, You could see this being, you know, O'Brien wants to take this because it's not going to be a very high. in a way, high-profile position, you know, the chief engineer of the Enterprise would get a ton of people, a ton of notice, you know, everybody, you know, the chief engineer of a backwater space station, you know, is going to be able to do his job in peace, you know, and he has a lot to fix and a lot to work on, and there are a lot of things to juggle in the air. It's a big challenge, but yeah, it's going to be a quiet challenge, he figures. Yeah, exactly, and as it turns out, of course, it's not. Now, you know, and, and in terms of a visionary, you know, I, I, I do like the way that the episode, you know, takes that conception of O'Brien yeah. and sort of runs with it. And I think that's what the best sort of O'Brien episodes do. I mean, think back to Tribunal, for example, where it, this is just an average man who's caught in this horrible situation. And and again, visionary does capture that well. I, I just think that, you know, the actual mechanics of the plot are not that interesting. You know, you see Deep Space Nine blow up, and yeah, that's okay, whatever. But it's it's not there. There's no real stakes here because you know that O'Brien is going to be fine in the end, and you know that Deep Space Nine is not going to blow up. And so, while the episode does do, did you think Deep Space Nine? No, 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 no. I guess no. What I, I guess what I was saying is, 
that doesn't bother me because I think the threat of it blowing up and seeing O'Brien save the day is fine enough. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think you, you know, I, on a show like this, just having the threat of, you know, self-destruction is, I, I think, enough stakes for it. Well, you can't go to that well more than a few times. No, of one. And also I think that if the O'Brien stuff, if this had been telling us something about O'Brien and if this was a stronger character episode for O'Brien, yeah. I would agree with you. But the problem is that, yeah, do do whatever you want in service of telling us an interesting story about and O'Brien. This doesn't tell us an interesting story about O'Brien. No, I mean, one thing that, you know, I, I think we do did overlook when we were talking about him a minute ago is that, you know, this is, episode does make clear that even though he may not want to big exciting life when it needs when he needs to rise to the occasion he does you know he is willing to oh sure you know and, but and to be fair though that's stuff we kind of already knew about O'Brien you know is it nice seeing him in action yes is but I mean I think to a degree we are dealing with one of those episodes that would have been cut were the season 15 episodes you know I, I think so and you know it's it's I, I don't know it's where we're really coming to the I think you know, after this podcast, we're coming to the side of short seasons. I think so, too. I mean, I think 26 episodes is just, you know, way too much, you know, frankly. But frankly, television nowadays kind of agrees with you. I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, you, H- know, you know, HBO series don't have 26 episodes, you know. And we could talk a lot about economic pressures and yeah. like, the death of reruns and all kinds of stuff. I mean, one of the reasons why television was making so many episodes for so long is because of reruns yeah. as, a, as a powerful economic force for, for balancing the budget and making the money. And now that reruns are not nearly as, you know, profitable, it doesn't matter so much. Um, but I think that, you know, in, in terms of this episode, you know, aside from all the O'Brien stuff and the, you know, the Bashir and O'Brien stuff, which is nice, uh, you know, it, again, it just kind of comes across to me as, as a low rent version of a Brown and Braga episode. Yeah. And, you know, I really came around to the side of Brown and Braga in TNG. I think that while a couple of his episodes were, you know, a little shaky, for the most part, he writes really strong, you know, mystery episodes with a twist or a hook. And, you know, this was written by by someone who had never written for television before. This is someone who was not on staff. You know, this was just a guy who wrote this episode. And I think it shows. I, I, I don't think that it's it's not a strong enough concept and it's not – and he's frankly not a good enough television writer to yeah. really pull this off. I mean we've seen a few episodes that – again, Measure of a Man came in that way from someone who had never writ, written TV, you know, written uh, a Star Trek episode and fucking nailed it, you know, was able to – have that outside perspective and see insights in the characters that everybody else missed. You know, here, yeah, they, they, again, it's not like anything seems off about it. This is O'Brien, you know, but. Well, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, Star Trek of, I think Star Trek of this era, particularly, and, and it has this kind of languorous pace to it a lot of the time. It's very slow. There's a lot of talking, which is fine. I think it works, you know, but, but. In this episode, I don't think it works. I think that this episode needs to ratchet up the tension more and more as it goes to the episode. And it just feels to me like it goes slower and slower. Now, that could be because I'm just not interested in the plot. But, you know, the direction feels a little too languorous. I just feel like there's not much energy in this episode as well. You know? I guess they just want it. Yeah. uh, Because, you know, now that we're talking, I'm finally remembering what the Romulans had to do with it. They were causing the singularity that caused all of this time travel. But... You know, number one, I'm just remembering this after piecing it together. Like, it's true the episode doesn't care about its plot, which we've seen other times, but 
there aren't enough interesting effects. Maybe that's it. I mean, I do like the fact, and I think, again, this does paint Deep Space Nine as a very different show because, you know, this would just be tossed off in TNG with no mention of any sort of meta plot because TNG, for the most part, didn't have one. But but with Deep Space Nine, they are finding ways to engage with the Dominion and engage with the Cardassians, you know, in episodes that don't necessarily, you know, connect with them on a plot level. You know, I like the fact that the Romulans show up. I like the fact that, you know, for for all the criticisms of the episode, I think that the actual plotting of the episode is pretty strong. You know, the Romulans show up. They're questioning people. They want to get intelligence. They're actually, you know, they have a cloaked ship here, which, you know, is causing. And, you know, it's a nice call back to the whole concept of the Romulans using a singularity as the the, the energy force for their, their warp drive or whatever they do. You know, and so, you know, and there's a there's a. There's a, a, a sort of um, understanding of this sort of lack of, you know, just kind of co- the power of coincidence in the universe because, of course, if O'Brien had not had this accident, had this yeah. radiation sucked into him, he wouldn't have been, you know, jumping back and forth through time. You know, and Deep Space Nine would have been destroyed by the Romulans. You know, all of that stuff is kind of interesting, but, you know, it's nice that they're trying to tie that stuff to the Dominion and tell us something about the Romulans. Uh, but maybe they don't do enough with it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it. I feel like this episode is a very shallow episode. I don't feel like we have that. I mean, what was it about, really? I think you know it was just an entertaining, supposed to be an entertaining story about a character that we like. And yeah, there's and nothing I, wrong with that, of course. And I, if I, it's I, entertaining, I mean, yeah, we we've had episodes like that before, Funny. which just are entertaining and they're fun and, and you know we get a lot of mileage out of them i just feel like this episode that we don't have a lot to to really say about it because i don't think that there is much to say about it you know i, I wasn't bored watching it i was well, i mean i think this is another one of those episodes that once you see it once yeah. and you know what's happening there's just not that much into it you know like i can watch Times squared over and over again because i just love watching how all the characters deal with that and how tightly it's plotted how well it's written the visual imagery on that the structure of it is nice you know here the it, it his time travel doesn't look cool enough. I mean, there's a couple nice moments. Like I like that one in the bar fight where, uh, you know, one of the O'Briens punches it, and the two just like kind of like wink at each other. Yeah, you know, like I liked those kind of moments, but they didn't save the episode. And they do things that would really, you know, severely damage a person. I mean, they show O'Brien watching himself die. You know, there's just things about it that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I thought what I thought was hilarious is when he comes back, you know, when he wakes, you know, comes into the med bay and, you know, Bashir sees him after O'Brien has died. And he's just like, oh, you know, and he like just totally takes it in stride and knows exactly what's going on, you know, because to be fair, that's Bashir. He knows exactly what's happening and he... You know, and I mean, it is another instance. I, I really do like how, you know, we talked about this a bit in TNG, and I like that it's continuing here, that when a character says something weird is happening, everyone immediately drops everything and, like, figures it out, right, you know, right. because these are professionals and this could be something bad, but. And I mean, frankly, you know, it makes sense in the world because this kind of thing happens all the time. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I do want to engage with the Romulan thing a little bit, though, because, you know, I, 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 I'm curious to get your thoughts on how the Romulans are being fleshed out in Deep Space Nine, because uh, uh, they are being used more in this season than they have been probably in any season of any show, you know, ever. I mean, you know, what, what, what are you making of this? I think it's very interesting what they've done to the Romulans because they're almost, you know... 
I don't. In original series, they were one of the recurring villains, and you know we had stuff like Balance of Terror, very strong Romulan episodes. The uh, which you didn't like, which I didn't like, but I have come to appreciate its existence in the world as an episode of television. You haven't watched it again. I watched it twice. What? I swear to God, and I told you when I was watching it. I, I said, you. I'm going to watch Balance of Terror tonight. And you're like, really? I wonder what you'll think about it this time. I don't bl- I have on any recollection of this happening. Well, that's I think your fault. Um, the point is, you know, and, and then in TNG, we had that moment. And what was that? The sec was that the f- the episode where the Romulans like, oh, we're back. We've been the first away. season, the neutral zone. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, the Romulans saying, all right, we're going to be the fucking big bad of this, you know, but they didn't really work in TNG for what TNG was trying to be about. I mean, the Borg is the iconic enemy from TNG because it, it does really very well exemplify the themes of what TNG was about, mm-hmm. you know. The Romulans worked in the 60s incarnation of Trek, which was about countries at war with each other. Um for the 90s version, which was about, you know, multiculturalism and cooperation and, you know, how do we be better? You know, the Romulans didn't fit. And now at this point in DS9, in-universe, the Romulans are being treated like people who once were a powerful empire but just have kind of – aren't really taken seriously anymore. I mean the episode where the Dominion, you know, was causing the illusions and, you know – Yes, that was a, you know that was a vision, but that was a computer program. But I mean, I remember the part where the Romulan, you know, woman who was sent to monitor the uh, cloaking devices, you know, yelling, and we're not going to stand for this. And you know, that incarnation of the Federation doesn't even take them seriously. And right, you know, that's kind of in line with where the Romulans are going. Like they, they are just they're almost impotent. I well, mean, we described the Cardassians as competent Romulans for a while. Well, I do like the fact that Deep Space Nine is continuing along with the idea that the Romulans are just not very good at what yeah. they're doing, right? And, and you know, it, it's, it's fine. I don't disagree with you. I think that this is another case of stay tuned because they do some interesting things with the Romulans. I, I, I generally don't think that the Romulans in general for, for being an alien species that has been around the Star Trek – yeah. Uh, universe since 1966 are ever all that interesting and they they never fully really get um i think they're 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 due i'm specifically thinking of like star trek nemesis as well which has some romulan stuff in it so you know there's there's that but i like the fact that the show is just comfortable enough at this point to to throw the romulans in and throw another uh alien species into the mix and say Oh yeah, okay. So so here's this this Dominion threat, right? And here's what the Federation is doing. Here's what the Cardassians are doing about it. The Bajorans are doing about it. What are what what are the Romulans doing about it? What are the Klingons doing about it? You know, because don't forget the Klingons are also in this episode briefly. So mm-hmm. you know, there's there's I, I like the fact that the show is is kind of you know more than anything else. I don't know that this episode you know has a lot to say about the Romulans. I don't know that we can say a lot about the Romulans. I mean, what is interesting is that them. Doing, you know, them, them, if they were to carry out that plan, that would be immediate war from the Federation on them, you know, and for the, you know, everybody would, you know, and the Romulans would lose that so badly. And I guess it says something that they think that this threat is bad enough that they are willing to essentially annihilate themselves to save the quadrant. Maybe. 
Maybe. I don't know that I agree with that. But I, but I think that, that, that what... Then why what, do you let me talk? What's more... Inter- I don't let you talk. What's more interesting, I think, about that is is that the show is really comfortable with engaging in the playground now. And they're just kind of saying, oh, yeah. like, hey, we are, we are the show now. We're going to do what we want to do. Because Voyager's off in the Delta Quadrant, and they don't care what's going on there. So, uh, Voyager is on at this point? Yeah, Voyager is on at this point. Oh, okay. This is their first season at this right now? Yeah, so... So we're just learning who Tuvok is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you are. Oh, yeah. there's an there's an alternate Richard from a few years ago that's still at this point that's like just so happy because he can now have look forward to Tuvok's adventures every week. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've said all we can say about Visionary, so let's move on to Distant Voices. And we've said everything we can say about Distant Voices, so Yeah, this is awful. I you know, at the at the beginning of it, I thought it was going to be a cool episode because okay, you know, this series has done the nightmares and the visions very well. You know, that, even that one, that one Dax episode where it turns out she had the all extra personality, you know, yeah. what, even though that wasn't a great episode, the vision, the dream sequences were amazing. You know, they were really scary. They were really creepy. And at least to sit and watch that was cool. And so I thought that's what we were going into. By the way, have they ever dealt with that altered person? They haven't. Uh, like, is that, was that a throwaway episode? I don't know. No, um, it's still there. Okay, so so, and actually, it's funny you say that because they will be dealing with that later in the ep- later in this season. Okay, cool. I, I, you know, that that's fine. Like, I don't care how they deal with it, but I'm glad they didn't forget that. Um, but D- yeah, Deep, Deep Space, yeah, Deep Space Nine is not a show that forgets things. By well, much. it did. So, it did forget that the computer is a baby that's alive. Remember that? Yeah, but let's all forget that. <laughs> um. I think n- most of this episode was absolutely ruined by uh, the fact that the main villain feels like a Power Rangers villain. <laughs> That's I, I was going with He Man, but that okay, works too. you know, like it was just like the it, the expressiveness, the fact that you know, yeah, like it was cheesy, and that the the aging makeup was also bad too. But aging makeup is always bad. Well, I don't know. I think that the aging makeup, I put in my notes that I was kind of impressed with the aging makeup in this episode. I mean, it certainly has come a long way from the original series. And I, I think that may be also, uh, what's his name's, you know, performance. He's he's kind of... Siddig, yeah. Yeah, he's... He's he's good at playing an old he's, man. Yeah, that's it. Like, um, But the two of them together, the aging makeup plus the terrible villain i mean obviously this terrible villain did more damage but i don't think the episode recovered from the one-two punch i, I guess my you know we talked a little bit when we talked about visionary about why, why does this exist like what is the point of this episode and it's just, is it just to be entertaining okay um i think that this episode is is it, it's not entertaining i think it's trying to be but also more than that i think it is trying to deal with some things about bashir and it does them very ineptly in ways that we yeah what really, I mean, I think the meat of this episode is supposed to be that point when, you know, the evil alien, and I can't even remember what his name or species is. Altavar. Altavar. Sure. Um, He's a Lethian. Uh, all right. So he, <laughs> I wish they'd learn a few Lethians about this episode. You do but, realize that I mostly just take notes now to write down names and species. <laughs> I, I believed you did. The scene, you know, where he's talking to Bashir, he's like, well, you know, you, you know, didn't pass your exam, and you could have been a tennis player, and you aren't married to Dax, and you're terrible, you know, 
And, like, in about five minutes, Bashir's like, yeah, well, I don't really actually care about these. Like, yes, I would have done that differently, but all told, I'm pretty happy. And here's the thing. We all kind of know that he's pretty happy, particularly, you know, the Dax thing in particular. You know, we know that, you know, when when he says, you know, look, you know, I do love her, but I treasure our friendship. I wouldn't give that up. We know he means that. You know, we've gotten to that point where they do— almost have a brotherly-sisterly close relationship, you know, and where he's happy about that. Um, The thing about tennis, I mean, I don't think anyone was ever, you know, we know that Bashir is a very athletic person, but I don't think that, you know, I don't think that we ever thought that he would want to do, pursue that as more than a hobby once he found medicine and once he well, and also he frankly, we, we didn't even have an idea that he played tennis before. I don't think that's ever been mentioned on the show. I mean, they said he played racquetball, but okay, yeah, know, that's different. Um, and then finally, you know, about this thing with you know, what the fuck is up with that exam? Quite like, who cares? Like, well, eh. they they deal with that because it's kind of a. I think it's kind of an in joke because you know apparently a preganglionic fiber is ve- they're actually real things I don't know what they are okay. but apparently a preganglionic fiber and a postganglionic nerve are extremely different and any apparently any first year medical student would would never get that question wrong. It's like calling a bone so, an artery, I guess, like that. Yeah, kind of, uh, yeah, I think it's yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think, and so I think that um, they're they're trying to engage with that a little bit. And and kind of explain that and also kind of But you know, it would be one thing if maybe that could have been set up. Like that could have been a running joke about Bashir, you know, every so often he comes up, you know, he meets up with someone who knew him from the past. Oh my god, but you didn't know about the pregaglionic fiber thing. Well, you know, and and, just, and uh, I don't want to talk about this too much because number one, it's not that important. No, number, I know. number two, there is a there's a thing about Bashir that you don't know, and we will have a we will get a lot of mileage about talking about it when we get to the episode where it's revealed. Okay, but stay tuned on okay this because they're so this is introducing a concept they, rather than they, paying it off. Uh, I wouldn't even say that they they introduced this idea in the pilot of this whole like mistake he made. Right. And then they bring it up again in this episode. Oh, they did. I didn't remember that from they the pilot. They did. Yeah. It was actually from the pilot. So they are actually, no, I don't know if it was from the pilot. Like early, very early it was on. early on. It was like in, in the first few okay. episodes of the show. Then, that, and then, then that makes me feel better about it, but then they bring it up here and then they decide to do something with the character of Bashir in a later season, in a later episode that kind of retcons that mistake. Okay. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. The thing about Distant Voices is, what is Altivar? Like, Alethian. I understand that. Thank you. But, but, like, is, they've got this telepathic thing where apparently he shoots lightning out of his hands Uh, and it puts Bashir in a coma. All right, fine, whatever. But, but, uh, is he part of Bashir? Like, did he like yeah. telepathically like extend his psyche into Bashir? Is 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 the is the Lethian Altivar in Bashir's mind a figment of his imagination or or a subset of his personality, just as everybody else is? I they mean, my, my there, unders- there's no answer for that. My understanding is that you know the Lethian is not at this point like directly controlling him, like he's not astrally projecting directly, especially because we're told he was arrested five minutes later. You know, we assume that they would contain him from doing anything active but you know so yeah i guess he just shoots a bit of his remnant you know psyche into bashir and he ruins his brain 
Like that was my understanding. It's a psychic cancer. It's I stupid. It's stupid. No, it is stupid. And I don't I mean, this is my own personal bias and we have to engage with with, you know, works of art on their own terms and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I just profoundly find dream stuff really boring. No. And, you know, it has to be really well done for me to appreciate it. And this is not well done. No, no. Again, I'm thinking of, you know, again, that Dax scene, the scene with uh, in Data where he's having the paintings and the hallucinate. Those were very well done. Like there have been, again, this... The fact that Star Trek has done some very good nightmare sequences makes the bad ones even worse. Well, because it makes Bashir look unimaginative. And I don't think that's the point that they're trying to make. No. You know, like, oh, Bashir is in his mind and his mind is having to heal itself. Okay, that's all. That's a fine yeah. concept. I'm on board with that. Um, he has to engage with the different sides of his personality and he's getting older, which represents him dying. Okay, fine. Whatever. You know, that's all great. But he's on Deep Space Nine and he sees the people he sees every day. That's where his mind goes. It just it makes him seem like a very, very small minded person. Listen, man, I, I, I think this was just a stealth remake of Herman's head. And that's my opinion of the episode. Well, that could certainly be, you know, and so for me, it's like I don't know what the point of this is. You know, there's there's. It doesn't really say much about Bashir. It, it's kind of set up to answer a question that I don't think many people even cared about. Yeah. About the, the whole you know mistake he made on his, on his medical exams. And it's got a, a villain who is frankly a misfire. So it's just not great on all levels, I think. Yeah, that, that's... At no point did the mystery feel interesting. It's very obvious, you know, from two seconds in that they aren't themselves, you know. And when you find things revealed, it doesn't make it more interesting. And yeah, they don't know what to do with it. And this would have been, I think this would have been a better episode. And I think it needed you to go outside of Bashir at points and and have it engage with the characters yeah, in the real world. Keep, keep, I mean, keep it in internal until at the point when they, you know, like I, I, I did really like the scene when they kind of reconnect the hearing and, you know, he realizes, oh, they're talking about, about over my comatose body. Right. But, I mean, at that point, that's a perfect opportunity to split out. And, I mean, remember the inner light, which we talked, you know, wh- whether that would have been good or not. Um, and I think we ultimately very much came on the side that, no, we needed to see the external and yeah. you know, know what exactly. So once we realize those stakes, yeah, I mean, it doesn't need to be anything elaborate. Have a few, you know, have Dax worrying about him. Have, you know, no, and I don't even think that you, you, you know, have, the, the, the inner light needed those scenes because it did need to establish that this wasn't yeah. actually happening. Whereas we already know that this isn't actually happening because Bashir is the one who puzzles it out. Right. So I don't think that we need those scenes to establish that this is not actually happening. No, we no. already know that in a different way. I think that we need, you know, scenes outside of his mind, frankly, because the stuff going on in his mind is not very interesting. In a way for character stuff, too. And I mean... That's another perspective. Let me put it this way: you know, part of the revel- part of the ending hinges on, for example, him realizing that you know, you know, him, you know, be- affirming his platonic love for Dax. Well, a scene with Dax talking to his comatose body is gonna could be some very nice resonances to that. It would. Yeah, he's fine at yeah at the fact that he doesn't. Uh, play tennis professionally well let's bring in o'brien his sports buddy you know what's he gonna say about that you know hey i remember you told me you want to play tennis professionally but you know i love that we play racquetball i don't know yeah something like but, that. but you know like something give me a fucking bone here 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that you know whatever the characters in his own mind represent. And I mean, there's that line in it, which like you represent my professionalism. Like, Oh my God. You can tell that's definitely in the first draft. Somebody didn't get it. Or the note was that, you know, the people in Wyoming aren't going to understand this one. So it's like, you know, I I don't need every single episode of the show to sing, but this one doesn't even try. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's it's so boring. There's just nothing about it that's interesting or engaging. <laughs> Man, I, listeners, I feel really bad for you right now. You know, we just... Well, I, I do want to talk about, because I always like talking about Garrick and Bashir. Oh, yes. That, uh, and I mean, the the first and last scenes of the episode are, are great because it's Garrick and Bashir. And and I I don't know I want to ask you about uh, Cardassian mystery I love now uh, because Cardassian enigma story yeah enigma uh, tales yeah I love I mean I, where the where the mystery is not who did it but how they're going to get punished and, and yeah and, and and what everybody did you know but he knows that everyone's done something like it, it makes it seem like you know there's this big crime and like it's just like well you know the rest is but in a way that makes complete sense because look at sure. Cardassian trials they are about you know, this person did this and, you know, I'm going to explain, you know, and it's more explaining the process. You know, it's the end of, frankly, I think Cardassian mystery novels probably read like the last chapter of, you know, real mystery novels, you know, when yeah, Kyo yeah. Paro comes and says, all right, well, you know, so at the very beginning of a mystery novel, the uh, the investigator, I mean, they're almost like Columbo's in a way, too, yeah. you know, where, but... I don't know. I, I like I like that. I like that they're working a lot with um, – I mean this isn't the first time we've seen Cardassian literature. You know, Of course, their you know, historical, classic, dramatic novels are going to be about fealty to the state. Well, this is in a different way, but it is you know, just, again, showing the process of uh, revealing this information. Yeah, and I like the fact that this information always comes out in the Bashir and Garrick scenes, and they're always arguing about it. You know, I, I yeah, that's one of the things that really strikes me about, about Deep Space Nine. You know, especially in comparison with the with the Next Generation, is that you know, yes, the Next Generation did have one on one relationships. I mean, Jordy and, and and Data had a friendship. Uh, Beverly and Troy had a friendship yeah. for some reason because they were both they women. had a jazzercise ship. You know, and and you know, Riker and Troy had a little bit of a of a friendship. Yeah. You know, there were characters that that engaged with each other on that kind of level. But you know, Deep Space Nine, when you look at someone like um, you know Kira and Dax, or you look at Odo or Odo and Kira, or you look at Bashir and Garrick, or you look at Rom and Jake, or you know, there's so many pairings in the show, and characters kind of deal with each other on different levels and in different ways. Yeah. But it always says something about the character, and it always kind of like expands the universe a little bit. So I like the fact that the show is continuing to expand the Cardassian culture, you know, through the conversation. Conversations between Garrick and Bashir, you know, and also the fact of the matter is that, you know, Garrick has this kind of, you know, funny thing about observing about human culture, because I don't think that's yeah. something that TNG ever really did. You know, Garrick is not dismissive of human culture, but he's kind of, uh, he thinks it's kind of funny, you know, yeah, I was gonna say, he, you know, just as, you know, you and I can point out six thing, weird things about Cardassians, just as all the 
characters can, and Garrett can point out, you know, weird things about humans, you know? Yeah, you, and, you eat too fast. Why is your 30th birthday such a <laughs> weird thing? You know, like, stuff like that. But, I mean, all of the characters, you know, we, we've seen Kira a few times, you know, mention, you know, the, 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 that, oh, you know, talking in private, that's a human thing, you know? And that's p- half of Odo's shtick, too, you know? It's... Uh, and in a certain way, I think, you know, they did that a little bit in TNG, I think especially with Worf, but... In that show, they were kind of judging Worf. And in this show, they're kind of judging the humans. Yeah, no, it's pointing out weirdnesses in... Worf is pointing out odd things that humans do to show how odd his views are, yes. in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and this show is doing the exact opposite of that, yeah. I think. I like it. I like it, too. It's a great show, and I would like some Yigurish cream pie. Mm, sounds good, doesn't it? All right, well, I think that's all we can get out of these two episodes. A short episode this week, but I don't think anyone's really going to mind. <laughs> Blood from a stone, kids. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen these episodes, you know what we had to work with. Uh, so if you have any thoughts on our conversation on either of these episodes, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trekaboutshow.com. What are you talking about? Distant Voices is the finest episode of DS9, and here is 1,000 words explaining. And if you're not leaving comments and you're not checking the comments out, uh, there's a there's a few regular commenters that leave some really good ones. So I read uh, all of them. I'm just an ass about responding. No, it's fine. And and uh, I usually do try and respond to all of the comments at least on a, in in a, in a very short way, unless I have more to say. But um, I do appreciate. You know, we both appreciate the fact that uh, people are leaving comments and really enjoying them. So um, we like reading them and we like getting them. So please do continue to give them. You see uh, what I do every time I see the episode in my Twitter feed. I'll look at it and read the comments. Yes, but just remember that Richard does read the comments, so don't spoil things that happen later, please. Or at least like write like spoilers and like do like five hundred like lines of white space uh and also we have a patreon patreon.com slash truck about show where you can give us a few bucks a month and we have some special perks there and you can check them out and uh, you know give us some money if you feel so inclined we would appreciate it and thank you to our patrons who uh have given us money already we love you and as always you can find us on social media at truck about show is our username on twitter facebook and instagram Finally, leave us an iTunes review. It's been a while since we've gotten one. We like to read them on the show, so uh, do that. Next week, we talk about Through the Looking Glass, which I think Richard can probably imagine what it is, but maybe not. I don't know. And Does, like, Garrett get stabbed with glass? He does, yes. Very good. Thank you for spoiling the fucking thing. <laughs> Here, two seconds ago, you're like, listeners, don't be spoiling. I'm going to spoil the shit out of this. Uh, well, wait until wait until season six when Captain Kirk joins the cast. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about Through the Looking Glass and Improbable Cause, which is the first part of a two-parter, a big, important two-parter, I think, in Deep Space Nine history. So we will talk to you then. Hey, Eric. Davo! Aw, I missed it that time. <laughs>